You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Morning, Joe. Morning, Patrick. How are you? Not too bad. No silver-crested cockatoos flying across this morning. No, no, no. But you do, um, so we're doing this over VC, you do have some beautiful tulips in the background there. So um, spring has sprung. How nice of you to notice. They're lovely. They're very. Um, so, what what color are those, Pat? They're they're dream orange. So, dream if you could imagine, you, yeah, your nicest orange color that can come in your dreams. That's the tulip color behind me. Beautiful. That's very very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, they're nice tulips. So <laughs> lovely, lovely yeah. person grew them just around the road um, called Cherry Road. And yeah, now they're trying to make a good thing happen. So uh, my partner, Sandrine, got them for Father's Day for me. So they're just starting to open up. Or rather, my daughter, three-year-old, got them for me. So yes, via via um, her legal guardian who has um, ability to purchase things. So yeah, exactly. Not, not so, too many three-year-olds rocking around with a with a type of payment platform, are there? Really? So unless they've got not, not yet, um, <laughs> <laughs> unless they've got some gold coins. <laughs> yeah so mum the minion went out and that out. <laughs> nice one um but here we are how's your end of the thing joe has i don't know if anyone's had the privilege of listening to see joe's background but he's got a nice ship i refer to joe as sergeant quite often um you do. should probably be captain or something yeah maybe ship. um Maybe Al Capitan, maybe Al Capitan. Yes. So, um, that's a great, yeah. That's so, great. The, no, the, yeah, the boat is from, uh, so from a dear friend actually, uh, gave it to us when, uh, when my wife, Megan, and I got married. So, I spent, um, a couple years working in Mauritius, and, uh, one of my dear friends there, Charles, um, that was his wedding gift, uh, to us. So, you know, kind of, um, yeah, it was, beautiful and obviously it, it means it means a lot to me and uh you know it's kind of nice to for it to finally actually have have a home and kind of be able to actually actually settle in it's always been one of those um things that you try to find i think we all have this in our lives there's always kind of one or two things that they don't really they don't really fit anywhere and they and they jar and they don't really kind of go with perhaps the interior decor of kind of um, perhaps where your partner would want things to go or perhaps where, you know, kind of in your workspace, um, you know, it's not really something you can put on the dash of the car. You know, it's not really something you can put out in the man cave because it's, it's a little bit too delicate for that. So, but I feel like I finally found um, it's, it's home. So that's, uh, that's lovely. You have it. Is that a map of Mauritius above it? No, that's actually a map of Devon and Cornwall, just to keep it interesting. So, um, yeah, so I, I love maps. So, I mean, I think, yeah, this will kind of take us into part three of our, our conversation as we kind of map out the media landscape. Um, but I've always I've always kind of collected maps. So I've always tried to kind of, um, you know, I've always been really interested in in places and kind of why they are what they are and the history, the history of places. So, you know, kind of you give me a map and, and I'm, 
super happy. I was one of those kids uh, growing up who absolutely loved geography, you know, and couldn't get enough of it. I just used to love those kind of maps with like all the colors and all the countries. And, you know, um, that's, that's definitely my, um, my only strength in pub quizzes. So if uh, for those of you listening along at home, um, can't help you with much else, but if you need a geography ringer, I'm your fella. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. I'll put that there. I have seen you appreciate the math here and there, but you have been mapping out the media landscape pretty well. Um, and we have been going through it. But today we're doing the good and the evil. I don't know who's Luke Skywalker and who's Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's hard to know, isn't it? I think it really depends on your perspective. Just as really, I guess maybe the the truth of uh, you know, kind of it's it's interesting because I think obviously Star Wars um, to kind of come into it that way, you know, was was built on the you know Joseph Campbell's work around the hero's journey, right? So really, what it what that work is is that everyone has evil and everyone has good in them. It's really about how that's actually applied and how the situation kind of um, shapes you. And you know, obviously, it's a it's more of a masculine story in terms of kind of how it was constructed. Um, but it, what it is, is, you know, I think it's interesting parallel when you start to think about media because media innate of itself isn't good or evil, but yet they kind of, depending on which side you sit on, you would, you would view it that way. I think it's, it's better put Pat as kind of, you know, you've said in the past is that there is now probably more, a more clear commercial um, imperative than perhaps, um, you know, we, um, you know, kind of in, in generations gone by or kind of decades gone by where we perhaps didn't see the commercial imperative. So you'd see the commercials, but you wouldn't necessarily kind of understand that there was, um, you know, I guess this kind of this notion that you talk about a fair bit around the attention economy. Yeah, that attention economy is where we're at. And we've laid the land with sort of arbiters of truth being the community at large or the niche communities that exist around interests um around geographies um however a community forms is sort of now the collective holder of a truth and there's many truths sitting on the internet and there's many arguments around what is truth um and where the force be with you to harken back <laughs> to the force is an interesting one trying to keep it on Star Wars, but I think I'll just get lost trying to hold it there. But I really hold like your metaphor. read on that and Joseph Campbell's work around forming that narrative is it's so true. Um, but yeah, where we are now is an interesting one because it's, it's sort of blown open that very singular narrative between viewer and producer, which we had on on our television sets really or in the newspaper where you know someone would produce something they had a direct line to the consumer's eyes attention and they would sell that direct line or a chunk of that um for advertisers who want to sell a product um that aligned with an audience that they said they had whether they knew that or not no one really knows whereas now we've got ridiculous amounts of data we've got a lot a lot of products floating around and then we've also got a lot of communities sort of holding their truth so it's a it's an interesting space to exist in i think something that we haven't talked about in this media landscape is just the business model that sits behind there and we spoke with dipian a long time ago last year in this in this podcast around sort of what sits behind the business model of facebook and some of the social media 
um, contracts that are there. And he went into his whole thesis is around. He worked at the, I think he worked at Facebook, didn't he? And then he actually yeah, worked yeah. at um, Washington. Yeah, he worked for the United States. So he went good, evil, and all about. Um, and now he's got his book up on Amazon. But the thing is, he spoke a lot about how the rules changed within Facebook and what changed in terms of how the communities organized themselves and and where people's eyes were sitting and where they were getting pushed and really showed this strong correlation between the rules that got changed behind or the policy that got changed behind. And this was a change from Facebook HQ in response to some, I can't remember exactly the negative, there's been a lot of negativity around Facebook, to be honest. Yeah. So I can't actually pinpoint right now what that incident was, but they changed it to being that now you your attention's directed more to community-based, not to this like shock jock sort of um, news feed. So you yeah. were sort of, your preferences, biases were sort of getting fed into being able to find other people with a similar thing. So it sort of played off this echo chamber. And from there, we've got where we are today, which is, uh, without going too deep into it, but if you want to shout out to the rabbit hole, um, <laughs> uh, if you've ever listened to this podcast, it really talks about QAnon theory, where that's come from and how different people have been caught in the net um, of, of surfing the web and sort of stuck in a tube, so to speak. That's where yeah. we are now. Yeah, it's it's very, you know, I think, Pat, that's very well put. I think the the thing that, you know, I guess in terms of, that you know a lot of kind of what social media is ultimately saying is that you know the first point you made there is that you know your attention is now singular and your relationship is much closer in terms of between the kind of the producer of the content and then your ability to in what they would call engage with it what and what i think it's then <clears throat> thinking about what engagement actually means and what the what the value exchange used to be right so i think you know you look back to the kind of the glory days of television the value exchange was um you gave me you know kind of um epic shows that everyone spoke about typically they were done on a thursday or it was a sporting event and in exchange for that i watched it but i got ads right and we were all served the same thing whereas now the kind of value exchange is actually in, in kind of slightly different on our end is that I sit, I get more individualized ability to kind of find the things that I find interesting that in, in my world, I find that, but then it's about kind of, I actually have the ability to comment back, so to speak, to actually kind of really engage with, with the, you know, the commentary and actually be able to be a part of the media and be a part of that story. I think the, the interesting thing that quite clearly was happening is it was becoming almost in crazy individual to kind of um, then kind of people, you know, kind of off to the side of that. Whereas, you know, the changes in the algorithm are exactly what you're talking about. It's about getting back to this idea that the community perspective is probably a bit more balanced than that. Right. So it's not as radical in, and I don't mean that in a kind of sense of that radical is, is bad. It was just, it was a very um, kind of one um, myopic view perhaps right whether that was about the right gear to kind of climb a mountain with or kind of you know radicalizing people to you know in terms of kind of islam and things like that i mean there was kind of these worlds of these little subsets of communities that actually there was no kind of moderation of that and i think that's what's interesting is that the moderation um because 
um, I guess kind of um, brands like Facebook, you know, Twitter, et cetera, don't really want to be the moderator is that it's now kind of actually that it's gone back to being community. And as a result of that, we're starting to see all these new types of kind of like little walled gardens inside the internet that are about a type of community and a type of thing, which is some ways mirroring how our own worlds work in terms of kind of, you know, the community that you actually live in um, tends to be broadly a reflection of the values you hold. You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Your hosts, Patrick Beggs of Per Production, a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them, and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. It brings an interesting conundrum, like with that fight against, say, I think it was really branded to use that word, like against the fight against extremist terrorists and specifically Islam extremists. But what we've formed now is right-wing extremist, home state extremism, which we saw horribly in Australia go over to New Zealand and cause absolute havoc. And a lot of people argue that that is a result of the change in the algorithm because um, how a lot of those communities work to try and find those um, extremist views and propagate them and grow them is is through these platforms initially now as you say though they're getting a little bit more walled garden but they're pretty tactful about how they recruit these days but yeah it's um the relationship has changed between the consumer and and the advertiser or the publisher and then also the relationship which we've discussed around say how brands and businesses look to create value with the audience and trust with that community. I suppose when we see the Patagonia, the need essential examples around different ways to do that. Hmm. Um, but what we happen to have in Australia, which is sort of touching right on this, is that in Australia, the laws just got passed that now media publishers or big brands are responsible for their comment sections on media platforms. So this is a step, whether it's right or wrong, to, um, as we sort of looking at this with history being our friend we can sort of see that in the past things have been changed with a bent on doing something and then there's been a result of something else which we just sort of touched on there with left and right extremists with islam extremists with right wing but now we've got this case in australia where it's been ruled that um, publishers are responsible for their comment section and what that means um, we'll see in the future but it just means that the onus now is on publishers i i suppose where in our future cars, where do you reckon that's going to be heading? It's a, it's an interesting one. And then on top of that, with new, new forms of tech coming out, I don't know if Open Web is necessarily placed to specifically fill this gap. There's an Open Web. It's called. It's like a SaaS platform that helps organisations, publishers really own that comment section as a platform, not necess- as a curator of their community and the conversation to try and weed out some of. Um, internet trolls to go around just looking for negative reactions and spreading sort of negativity is their pitch, whether that's mm. the case or not. I don't know, I haven't dug enough into it, but there's organisations now popping up 
being tech companies to be able to sort of use AI and and different algorithms to weed, I suppose, the garden bed of your comment section. Yeah, and I think look, I mean, I think it's in some ways it's kind of it's it's a return to what has worked in the past, right? So, you know, like a like a letter to the editor is, I think, you know, the the parallel I always draw is that, um, you know, back, you know, kind of. 15, 20 years ago, I could have sat here every single day, um, and perhaps I did, um, sending in letters to the editor, um, you know, just ranting about about random stuff. Um, today, I can tap something in in 140 characters or less and publish that, and I can actually tag that onto anyone. So the the ability for me to kind of actually, there's no filter in all of that, and I think what the legislation tries to do is go, well, actually, you're going to have to put a bit of a filter on that so that there's actually kind of that the language becomes more normative and actually becomes about the way that we want to interact with one another because that's actually the you know truly the issue that is actually divisive is that it's not that whether you're um <clears throat> you know you're more right wing left wing whatever that it actually is is that neither of us listen to one another anymore and that's that's the true that's the true thing and and that makes a lot of sense when it's all about reaction time right digital is all about you know how fast you can move and people just don't even think i mean you can watch um you know you can watch some of the twitter wars that kind of actually start and you're like these people are not thinking logically or they would just never be saying this to one another and you wouldn't do that if you're sitting across from each other and if you were chances are you know i always talk about like the pub test if you had that same conversation that you're having on Twitter back and forth to someone, even if the two of you didn't stop it, someone else in that environment is going to be, gentlemen, enough. You're in a pub, right? Just take it somewhere else. Just take it somewhere else, right? And so there, there's going to be someone watching and actually kind of enforcing those things. And that's what I'd say, you know, is kind of this return to kind of community is it's also about that as well. Like community watches and community actually kind of observes behavior. And certain people in that community, whether they're in a position of authority or they're in a position of respect, will actually talk about the norms of that community, whether it's about the fact that that's a bylaw or it's about the fact that we just don't do that to each other around here. So there's kind of there's there's kind of these things that I think are starting to starting to return through. And then I think, you know, the other interesting part about what we've been talking about is that this the directness of kind of, um, you know, the publisher, so to speak, actually skipping out of the distribution platform of Facebook or Google or, or Twitter. And you see things like a Substack, for example, um, which is becoming about, I have a point of view, I can then share my content and put it directly out um, to people who support me, right? Who actually kind of support that content being being drawn through. And that's, you know, that's probably the, the most direct kind of community relationship we've actually seen in media, which is that I might write something, but there's a bunch of people, whether and Patreon's another great example of that, who support my content and support me in creating it. Yeah, which is a big privilege for people to, to sit behind. And it's a big movement for people to really feel a part of that creation process by supporting that person directly. We've always had that. You say community radio in a weird way is very similar to that. Totally. It's not obviously behind an individual, but it's behind an idea and an organisation and independence and a transparency. And for people to sit behind that, um, but yeah, interesting what's happening here in Australia um, and what's happening around the world with people trying to hold account um, publishers and online comment sections, which seems to still fit the business model of being that sort of divisive chat room to keep eyes there. Yes, community do want to be the arbitrators, but no one feels responsible in that pub. So everyone does like watching a fight. You can, 
you see that online. You see so many <clears throat> fights being recorded and no one's stepping in because people want eyes on screen on their on their social media account. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to it, to it, to, no, it's so true. It's so true. But I think it's you know what I what I would say to that is to a point, right? And I think that's that's the thing, right? So kind of you know people. You know, I think this is anything in life. If you just take it back out to the real world, people enjoy seeing a bit of a bit of a dust up. What they don't, what they don't enjoy seeing is someone get kicked to pieces, right? And so that's there's kind of there's there's a difference around kind of the fairness of of something. And I think you know, like as we've kind of gone through this, it's it's ultimately you know the kind of the piece around what's going on with media is that there's coming back to inherent bias, you know, as we spoke about in the kind of first part of this is I think, you know, we all understand there's bias now in terms of kind of the size of companies. We all understand that there's big and that there's small. I think so our literacy is now really, really high, but this is really, I think, you know, the, the last piece is starting to think about what is our responsibility as the community and what's the responsibility of the publisher to actually help us kind of actually keep a level of decorum around actually how we communicate with with one another and social media you know to me fascinates me because it's there's things that people do on social media that you just they wouldn't do in any other form of their life they just would not they would not do it and if they did do it you'd be like oh, i'm a bit worried about you um that that's that's what's actually actually occurring but i think it's kind of those three things kind of being overlapped and ultimately it comes to you know where i think you know perhaps we'll we'll have the last part of our chat around me media is actually the responsibility of the individual as as part of all of that because i do think you know that quite clearly the big kind of platforms they actually never saw themselves as a media company but yet when you when you look through their revenue streams 95 percent of it is what you would classify as a traditional media revenue stream i.e they get paid for attention right it's not like they're producing something it's not like they're doing anything is that they're basically monetizing eyeballs it's no different than what newspapers and television did but yet the little bastards got away with it for a long time about saying that they're not media so but with being a media company i think comes the responsibility to actually help moderate the discussion and you know i think that's the thing that we're starting we're starting to see is that governments you know are realizing that oh hold on you know this is this is actually starting starting to do things and i think you know there's a real kind of you know there's been some wake up moments you know from i guess kind of you know seeing kind of people get radicalized which is certainly one of one of the instances but then also you know kind of seeing you know blatant attacks on democracy or kind of people being un you know unable to kind of understand um that you know there's kind of that there's a different side to this and yes i have my opinion and i hold them strongly and i have every right to have it but someone else can have their opinion too i think those are dangerous things oh they're dangerous i just keep referring it to though we're in a mud pit at the moment i don't yep. know we've just had a bill passed here in australia that's allowed um police to access delete data here in australia without having a warrant for anything mm -hmm. so it was sort of in this hyper paranoia about free speech and then all of a sudden we're having government wake-up calls to what's been happening and starting here enact laws and policies around trying to regulate the internet and then yep. you've got it's a it's a shit show yeah it is to be honest like the timing of it is terrible but it needs to happen. But the danger of it happening in a negative way and causing 
mass friction is is oh it's real it's, it's super high it's you know and i i agree with you it is it's i guess it's you know it's a shit show in the sense of that it's late right it's very very late in terms of where where it actually is but quite clearly you know the kind of the the notion of kind of ongoing surveillance right is that i think you know um government would say that well you've already given that away freely to to Facebook, to Google, et cetera. Like you're not really that concerned about your privacy, but when it comes to government, that feels different some somehow. And I think that's, you know, that's a fascinating, you know, fascinating. That's a piece that's hard to change psychologically. Like, yeah, totally. Especially in an immigrant-based Australia, which a lot of people have moved here from. Um, For sure. Certain traumatic experiences. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's not. But it's, it's is it though, is it is it to you know is it that kind of that you know you you don't see the threat from the company but you see it from the government right I think that's that's kind of you know to me always a fascinating part about this is that you know kind of what's a company going to do to me do, why do I care that really that Facebook has all this information on it what are they going to do sell me a nicer pair of sneakers right that's a, that's the kind of implicit threat whereas government surveillance is like they could put me in jail and take away everything that I've actually kind of ever ever worked for they could take my freedom never mind kind of sell me a pair of sneakers like there's there's an implicit threat with government that is very very different which right? is and that's what you're talking about yeah. it's, it is no doubt. <laughs> yeah. no doubt yeah no doubt and you look around and and there are governments that are doing that so hmm. it's a tricky one to sell and it's it's needed but i, I think it needs a way better communication of what's happening that bill being passed in the matter of 24 hours to me signals a scary sign that mm. doesn't actually signal that you're giving um confidence and understanding that the populace actually understand what's going on and you're just sort of being the parent role which is the case often here in australia with our government and just saying no we're yep. doing this right now i just don't think that's the right move in terms of moving this in in a way that everyone feels informed in a way that everyone can actually have a constructive feed, like conversation community can have a conversation but i do hear the fact that we have given away convenience is always going to win in a commercial sense but when it comes to a government sense it's a very very different thing so yeah and it's like i mean i think there's you know kind of there's like to kind of you know to, to close it out and kind of set up the next episode i think there's there's parts of this where really what we're saying is that it's the kind of it's what you believe the agenda to be with what they're actually going to do with the information so this idea of kind of understanding that you leave a data trail i think you know we could go out um when we can see people again um and we could we could kind of do that we could kind of do that test and actually ask um you know people kind of a whole bunch of stuff around kind of what they actually believe we're going to do with the data right but everyone understands they're leaving data behind but if i tell you okay well actually your fitness app pat that you use when you go for a run i'm actually going to use that to basically um look at that as an insurance company and not insure you because i know that you're on the road to some form of disease that's a whole different kettle of fish in terms of kind of, you know, what I actually am happy to use. Like I was happy with the interface and that you track my, my data and you're giving me feedback. I'm not happy that you're going to use that against me. And I think that's the kind of part that, you know, I think is, 
left to kind of discuss around kind of the, the government and it starts to overlap your role as an individual, but the actual governance of your data and who gets what. And I think that's kind of the, the, the part of media um, that is, is interesting in that in consuming it, you're now part of it. And, you know, I've, I think that's a very, very different shift from where we were 15 years ago. We're now actually part of it. Like our attention is actually measured monitored and also then um, cut back to us in a way that is unique to us which is completely different than where we were how long the head there joe you've sailed many seas and you've come back to port and you've reported very well oh thank you how capitan <laughs> <laughs> and it's true man i'm not taking the piss it's oh, very true that is the big change that has happened and i don't think we have caught up to the to realization that we are responsible humans in the media sphere when we are consuming and what that means hmm. when there's so many tasty candies out there that people just are programmed, I suppose, in a humanistic way to to try. So it's a it's a minefield, but it's one that we've got to take responsibility for. Cool, cool. So let's let's delve in next. Yeah, let's let's delve in. So the kind of the individual thing, and I think the you know the other part to add into that is is around the actual kind of really the business model now, right? So what is the business model? So to kind of you know Pat to your point is that what I what I think you're really onto there is that you know it's all this kind of free candy that's that's around, but it's like with anything, you know, it's um the age old kind of quote now, which is that if it's free, you're the product. But I don't think you know that's that's very. Um, it's not nuanced enough. And I think that's what we can actually dig into because this idea of that you're the product depends on who actually um, is picking up the data on the end. So as I said, like the fitness app is a good one. I'm really happy for Apple to have my data to serve me up my heart rate and kind of track me over years to tell me that I'm you know, progressively getting into worse shape. So thank you, Apple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the other what I wouldn't be happy with is my insurance company going. Actually, we're not going to insure you anymore. And I certainly wouldn't be happy with government understanding that and going. Actually, you know, we're going to kind of charge you more for Medicare, right? These are the these are the kind of things I think around kind of understanding that if we are, if it is a free kind of service, who's actually getting receiving the data on that end? That's mm. you know probably where to next. And who's really footing the bill? Hmm. Yeah. All good right. stuff, Patty. All right, I'll let you get back to sniffing your tulips. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Exactly. That's all right. After this conversation, I'm going to have Yeah, I might go just um, stare at my boat for a while and you go sniffing tulips and uh, we'll <laughs> next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.